chapter 4. And let's open with a word of prayer. Father, what a privilege it is to gather this evening as your church here at Altoona Regular Baptist Church. What a privilege it is to celebrate baptism, to remember the cross, what Christ has done for us, to celebrate with our sister Lana. She testifies to her faith. What a privilege to partake in this. As many of us think back on our faith, on our testimonies of salvation. Even now as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that your spirit would work in each and every one of us, that you would mold us, that you would uh, challenge us, that you would rebuke us, that you would work in us for your glory. We pray that you would remove distractions, help us to focus, and to honor you in all that we say and do. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. we come to 2 Timothy 4, we're coming to the end of the book. It's a short book, and we seem to have flown through it. I was looking and realized we only had two sermons left in 2 Timothy, and I couldn't believe it. It seems like we just started 2 Timothy. I love the pastoral epistles. I love 1 Timothy. I love 2 Timothy. Uh, I love Titus. Um, there's a relational aspect to them, as Paul is writing to someone that he knows an individual that he cares about. You can feel their struggles and their fears. And as we come to this passage this evening, you can almost sense that again. As Paul uses very strong language, talking to someone that he knows, someone that he cares about very deeply to, to say, preach the word. Amen. Stay faithful. In season and out of season, regardless of your circumstances, stay faithful. It's a good reminder for us as we come to this passage. We're in a time where it's sometimes difficult to be faithful. Where we find ourselves in a time, this passage talks about in season and out of season, we find ourselves in a time where we are more out of season than we are in season as in fact, if you've been keeping up with the news at all in California, the governor has all but forbade churches from meeting. And we have the privilege to gather. We have the privilege to gather as a church to look at this and to heed Paul's charge. And as we work our way through this passage, we'll see the task, the opposition, and the example. And the first thing we see this, this evening in verses 1 to 2 is the task, specifically Timothy's task. As Paul is writing to Timothy, and he charges Timothy. He starts out, I, I charge you. The word is the idea to, to exhort with authority. With authority, I, I exhort you, Timothy. I charge you, therefore... As we come into chapter 4, we're coming out of chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul has warned Timothy, difficult times are coming, Timothy. It's going to get worse. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get hard. It might even be painful physically at times, yet stay faithful. 
Because though difficult times are coming, you have a sure foundation on which to stand. We have that famous well-known passage at the end of 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That comes right in the middle of a passage where Paul is saying, it's going to be hard. It's going to be easy to get lost, but stay grounded. God has given you his word. It's inspired by God. It is profitable. So as we come to chapter 4, I charge you, therefore, with these facts that I have laid down, the fact that, that life's going to get hard, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be painful, and it's going to get worse. But in the midst of all that, you have a solid foundation. Therefore, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just the, the language here, this is a very heavy charge. Paul really wants Timothy to pay attention to this. Get this, Timothy. Notice where he goes next. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Paul hasn't yet gotten to his charge. He's building to it. But this phrase, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, stresses the imminency of that coming. Of that kingdom. That is around the corner. It's not a judgment of condemnation but of evaluation. So as believers, and specifically here as Timothy, as other ministers of the gospel, take serious your call, knowing that God both sees you and that you will give an account. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, this one who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This judgment which is right around the corner, it is imminent. Timothy, this God who you serves, he sees you, and you will give an account. So take heed. I charge you to do what? As you come to verse 2, therefore, you could put a therefore right there. In light of this, preach the word. Preach the word. In light of the fact that times will get difficult in light of the fact that you will stand before God one day and give an account, in light of the fact that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, in, 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 in light of that, preach the Word. Most importantly, Timothy, preach the Word. Timothy's been addressing false teachers. He's been Paul's been addressing false teachers. He's been addressing error that is easy to fall into. Now what is his remedy for this? How does Timothy fight this? What does it say? I charge you, therefore, start more church programs. I charge you, therefore, put a drum set up on stage. I charge you, therefore, preach the word. It's the word of God that changes lives. 
It is through the word that the spirit works to mold us into the image of God. And so most importantly, preach the word. Disciples are made through the word. So preach the word. Healthy churches are churches in which the word is preached. In which the word is, is held up. So preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season at all times. Both when it is socially advantageous and in face of opposition. Regardless of circumstances. Preach the word. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. This is the duty of the pastor as he preaches the word. Convince and rebuke. It's the negative side of preaching. Calling out sin. Being honest. It's not your privilege as a preacher of the word of God to, to sugarcoat it. To make people feel good about themselves. To skip over the parts that are just uncomfortable. No, as you preach the word, convince and rebuke. Preach the word. Preach all of the word. But don't stop there. Exhort. Lift up. Teach truth with all long-suffering, with patience and with teaching. This is the positive side of preaching. Exhorting and teaching. Encouraging. And doing it with patience. When I first came to Altoona, regular Baptist church, Pastor Homburg one time, we were sitting in his office and we were talking about, um, I can't remember what we were talking about. Somehow my, my former job of cleaning came up and I was talking, I just, one thing I love about being a janitor, one thing I love about cleaning is you see the progress that you're making. When you clean a bathroom and you leave that bathroom, you see what you've done. You leave satisfied every night because you know you've done it. You can see the evidence. And he said, well, then maybe pastoral work is not for you. <laughs> because it's long. And it's grueling. And you don't go home every day seeing evidence of growth and of change. But be faithful. And be long-suffering. Exhort with all long-suffering. This is Timothy's task. This is the task at hand. Regardless of circumstances, this is what you must do, Timothy. You must preach the word. Secondly, though, Paul reminds him once again of the opposition. Why is it so important to preach the word? Because the time will come... When they will not endure sound doctrine. We've already seen this reference in chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 3, 13, as Paul's reminded Timothy, Timothy, I'm going to be honest with you. Things are going to get difficult. In fact, things are going to get worse. So Paul is saying here again, a time is coming. It's going to keep getting worse. They will not endure sound doctrine. The word endure is the idea of, of to tolerate, to have respect for. Not only will they not accept sound doctrine, they won't even 
endure it. They won't tolerate it. They will have no place for it. And when they're doing this, when they won't tolerate sound doctrine, they were according to their own desires. Because they have hitching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Opposition is going to rise up, rise up. In your church that might be thriving now, Timothy, it's going to shrink. People are going to leave to go after these, these fables that, that satisfy their itching ears presently. They're not going to be able to endure the gospel that you proclaim. Why? Because the word of God is offensive. Because it's honest. People don't like to be told that they're sinners. They don't like to be told that the penalty for their sin is death. And if they don't turn to Christ, they will go to hell for eternity. That's judgment from a holy God. They don't like to be told that there is nothing that they can do in and of themselves to earn salvation. It's like we saw this morning in John 6. It's just like the crowd. As Jesus says, don't, don't work for bread that perishes. Work for what is eternal, which the Son of God will give you. And what's their response? Well, just tell us what to do, and we'll do it. They missed the point. It's not about what you have done, can do, it's about what Christ has done. They will turn their ears away from the truth. They will be turned aside to fables. They will have no time for, no place for sound doctrine. And there will be teachers that will come along and teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And they will follow those teachers. But don't be tempted, Timothy. In fact, what he says in verse 5, but you, but you, in the midst of all this, you keep preaching the word. But you, be watchful, stay alert in all things. Stay alert. Have your eyes up, looking around, looking for danger. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. That's a hard one. Endure afflictions. Afflictions are coming, Timothy. Your job is to endure them. To be patient in hardship. That when this hardship comes, you know that your God is still in control. And you will endure this hardship. You will endure this affliction because your God is faithful. And you believe that. That's what will get you through. So be watchful. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist in the New Testament was an office that preached the gospel to unbelievers. Notice that Paul is not telling Timothy to pursue the office of an evangelist. He says, 
do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of an evangelist? Preaching the gospel. So, Timothy, preach the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep making disciples. Fulfill your ministry. Be faithful regardless of circumstances, Timothy. You have a task. And there will be opposition. But stay faithful. And finally, the example. Paul's example. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The drink offering was the last offering that was poured out on the other offerings in the Old Testament. They would do the offerings, they would take the drink offering, and they would pour it over the top of all of them. In essence, what he is saying is my last offering has come. I am dying. My time has come. And Paul's faithfulness, even to death here, is the bow that is tied on his faithful life. It is his last offering to his faithful God. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Well-known passages. It says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable service. Paul has done that. Now he's coming to the end of his life. He's being poured out as a drink, offering his last bit of strength. And yet he is remaining faithful even to death. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have endured by the grace of God, Timothy, and you can too. This is doable. This task to which I am calling you, Timothy, it is not an impossible task. It's a task which I have done. I've worked several jobs in my life. And I can... You could probably testify with me that the, the jobs that are easiest to do are the jobs where your boss is willing to do whatever he asks you to do. You've seen by his experience, he's willing to do it. It can be done. Timothy, I've done it. I've endured. Life was hard. It's not easy. But the ministry that you've been called to is a privilege, and it is worth it. And so preach the word in season and out of season. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. And that is what Paul calls Timothy to do here in uh, verses 6 to 8. I have done this, therefore you do it, Timothy. Keep your eyes on the prize. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Not to me only, but to those also who have loved his appearing. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. I will stand righteous before the righteous judge. And he offers this to all who have loved his appearing. 
Timothy, stay faithful to the end. As I have stayed faithful to the end. And find at the end that God is faithful. As I am about to be rewarded, so will you, Timothy, if you endure. So endure to the end. Paul in this passage is not trying to to scare Timothy into compliance. He's not trying to imply that Timothy could lose this reward. He's trying to encourage him to endure now because of the hope that lies before him. Endure, Timothy. You can do it. I have done it. God has given me the grace for each and every day of this life, and he will give you that grace. So endure. And keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the crown of righteousness, which God has promised, which he will give. So, brothers and sisters, as we come to the close of this passage, verses 1 to 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, look to the future and be encouraged to endure in the present. Whatever you face, you can endure because your God is faithful. Because his mercy is new every morning. Because his grace is abundant. Therefore, you can endure. You can endure as, as Paul has endured. You can endure as many who have gone before us have endured. Let the promises of your faithful God as you look to the future, encourage you to be faithful in the present. Secondly, if you are called as a minister of the gospel, if you ever find yourself preaching or teaching the word, preach the word of God above all else. Whatever circumstances you find yourself, whatever you're going through, preach the word of God. David, you're heading into ministry. This is a great passage. And my parting words to you would be as you go, preach the word. Many other young men who attend our church, as God calls you to your ministry, preach the word. Above all else. You can't change people in your own strength. Only the word of God can do that. So preach the word and be faithful to preach it in season and out of season. And finally, maybe you're not called to preach, but you're still called to be faithful. Do not be tossed to and fro because of your itching ears, but love those who love you enough to faithfully preach the word of God even when it hurts. You be faithful. You love the word of God. You preach the word of God to yourself and to your family. To those whom God has put under you. Always hold up the word of God. And as you come to church, as you find yourself underneath the preaching of God's word, soak it up. Allow the spirit of God to work through the word of God for his glory in your life. Finally, if you're here this evening and you've never placed your faith in Christ and you don't have that future hope that we have, 
You don't have that hope that those of us who are in Christ, those of us who, who like Lana, as we saw this evening, have turned from their sins, have placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation, that hope that we have, as we look to the end, and we know that whatever we go through, our faithful God will give us grace. As we come to the end of our lives, He will reward us. For to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We will have a crown of righteousness for if we've loved His return. If that's you, if you've never turned and placed your faith in Christ, I would encourage you, talk to me. Talk to a deacon. Talk to someone around you and they can point you. Uh, if, if they're not comfortable themselves, they can point you to someone who can walk you through the gospel. Who can take you to the word of God and show you the God who's loved you enough to send his only son to die for your sins. Won't you do that even this evening?